Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. To stay connected to all that's happening here, visit RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now here's our associate pastor, Adam Barnett. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Uh, If you forgot your Bible or the Bible is new to you this morning, we want to make sure you can find Luke chapter 9 quickly. So there's a red Bible located right uh, underneath the seat in front of you, and that's page 1611. Luke 9, page 1611 in the red Bibles. As you turn there, I want to celebrate with you the incredible weekend that we just shared as a church at our first family retreat. Uh, We had well over 100 people in attendance. Here's a picture from our time together uh, with all of these families, and let's just say uh, both adults and children came home exhausted and fatigued. But really, we got to share an incredible time of prayer and worship and laughter and play uh, and also good training for our marriages and our parenting. Uh, I want to especially thank our children team and our student team uh, for the hard work that they did, uh, all of their planning and organizing. And of course, uh, those of us who still have the competitive spirit, we were excited to see basketball courts upon our arrival, and uh, it's always fun to be one of the dads to be invited to compete with the middle schoolers. Uh, So Jeff Voss and I did win. We really beat them badly and enjoyed every minute of it uh, until the next morning when we had to roll out of bed and go to breakfast, and every single part of our bodies hurt. So I guess in a way, the kids won after all. Oh, it's just a great weekend. This week commences Lenten season, and I hope you'll join us this Wednesday night for our Ash Wednesday service. You know, we don't get to celebrate the joy of Easter without acknowledging the suffering of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And so Lent is a season in which we can focus spiritually on the renewal, our inner renewal through prayer and fasting and through our devotion. This is a part of our spiritual journey in which we deepen the meaning and value of our Christian lives by intentionally focusing on Christ. So today until Easter, we will share an eight-week series from the Gospel of Luke uh, called Life with Jesus. Now, we originally titled this series The Life of Jesus, and we will certainly look at the life of Jesus, but we changed the title to life with Jesus because we are invited into relationship to be with him. And really, this is the beginning of a 24-week journey that we will go on together as a church family, this season of Lent, reflecting on the cross and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, followed by a series on the person of the Holy Spirit who was promised to us by Jesus, followed by a summer series as we journey through the book of Acts together, where we receive our mission, the church, from Jesus. And so I want to know if everyone's okay with Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus being the central theme uh, over the course of the next 24 weeks. You okay with that? Good. Okay, Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him. 
because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? (laughs) Okay, I just have to pause. This is not my notes, but I just thought if our senior pastor, Bill Clark, was like, Adam, I want you to go into that neighborhood around the corner from the church, and I want you to let them know that we're coming to preach the gospel. We want to love them and care for them and their needs. And uh, they did not accept me in my visitation. I can't imagine knocking on Bill's door and saying, Bill, uh, do you want me to go back to the neighborhood and call fire down from heaven and destroy them? Okay, so we have the disciples asking Jesus this question. And Jesus turns and rebukes them, and, and then he and the disciples went on to another village. So here, right here, the road from Jerusalem to Calvary begins. Jesus is filled with determination and motivated by love, but also the expression, set his face, has been used many times by Old Testament prophets, and every single time it is used with a tone of judgment. And so we have to acknowledge the fact that this mission was one to separate the wheat from the chaff, but it was also a mission of love. It's game time. Jesus is saying, let's get down to business. And by the way, it is impossible to ignore the response, the lack of hospitality from the Samaritan village that they visited. When Jesus began his ministry, think back, in his hometown of Nazareth, he was rejected. Matter of fact, they tried to kill him. And now concluding his public ministry, he was opposed yet again. And so the disciples were quickly learning that this mission was one that would include rejection. Yet onward they went. And what follows in this passage of Luke 9 are heartbreaking stories of people who want to follow Jesus, but they don't want to pay the price. And so let's look at these three. Uh, The first in verse 57, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You know, this guy, although he is bursting with zeal, he seems a little bit impulsive. He commits everything to Jesus. I'm going to follow you no matter what, Lord. And he commits this to Jesus before weighing the cost. All of us are guilty of occasionally over-committing before we know the full demand that accompanies our commitment before we look at the price tag. For example, many of you have graciously told a friend before, sure, I would be glad to help you move. And then you arrive and you see their furniture and you immediately regret your decision to graciously offer to help your friend move. This guy in verse 57 thought that discipleship would be a glamorous life. And Jesus quickly corrects him. If I may paraphrase, I imagine Jesus saying, that's really adorable that you want to follow me wherever I go, but do you realize what that means? Do you realize what that means? Have you counted the cost? Are you truly ready 
and willing to put down everything, to cut ties from your past and to to depend unwaveringly on me? Are you signing up to follow me just to see miracles, to be where the action is, maybe even to gain blessings? Or are you following me because you're devoted to my mission? You're ready to take up the cross and follow at all costs. Verse 59, he said to another man, so here's the second, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But if you go, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Notice here in this part of this passage, Jesus initiated this particular invitation. He invites the man to follow just as he had invited his original disciples. And here's the thing. The cultural practice at the time was to bury someone within 24 hours of their death. So this guy's out walking the streets. He's not at home. He's not surrounded by his grieving family, meaning we can assume his old man is probably still alive and kicking, meaning he's giving Jesus an excuse. He's delaying his obedience to follow, sure, This man, as many of us have at times, committed to the uncertain future, but he did not commit the present moment. The moment to say yes to Jesus, the moment to say yes to follow him is never tomorrow. The moment to say yes to follow Jesus is always now. The answer is always now. Now, another way to put it, In our decision to follow Jesus, there's no room for procrastination, period. We should never put off following Jesus for any other commitments. Now, as a side note, there's one possibility that exists here in this passage if this man was the firstborn in his family, and we don't know that he was. But if he was, he may have wanted to wait for his dad to die so that he could collect his share of his inheritance, And if that's the case, he was tragically telling Jesus, sure, I will follow you. But first, let me go back and make a massive withdrawal. Let me fill my pockets and let me secure my backup plan first. Verse 61, the third, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Now, on the surface level, this seems like a very justifiable, reasonable request from this man. I just want to go back and tell my parents what's going on. I don't want my mom to worry about me. Every boy knows we need to keep our mothers informed and communicate openly with what we're doing and put their worries at ease. Amen, any moms out there? You want to know what we're doing? I love this illustration that Jesus gives. To plow requires serious attention. It requires serious focus. Not keeping a straight line could break the beam of the plow, so you simply can't look back. You have to keep looking forward. And this is a fitting reminder that we cannot live in two worlds. We can't. Not the Christian. Yes, we live in this world, but not of this world. And so Jesus is implying here, our service to the kingdom of God must supersede all other commitments. 
Our service to the kingdom of God must supersede our marriages and our families and our careers and our finances and our to-do lists and our vacations and our leisure and pleasure. All things have to take a back seat to our service to the kingdom of God. I really appreciate the way Lee Camp says in his book, Mere Discipleship, Radical Christianity in a Rebellious World. He says, Jesus of Nazareth always comes asking disciples to follow him, not merely to accept him, not merely to believe in him, not merely to worship him, but to follow. One either follows Christ or one does not. There is no compartmentalization of the faith, no realm and no sphere, no business, and no politic in which the lordship of Christ Jesus will ever be excluded. We either must make him lord of all lords or deny him as lord of any. We must make him lord of all lords or we deny him as lord of any. Friends, once we say yes to follow Jesus, we have a permanent job. There's no clocking in and clocking out. There's absolutely no looking back. And I know you're familiar with the business principle and strategy, ROI, return on investment. And the justification for an elaborate investment is what I will gain will eventually surpass the price that I have paid. The cost of following Jesus can be great. It can be costly. It can look differently than what we ever want or what we ever expect. But at the end of the day and at the end of our lives, the return on our investment is eternal life. And even still, with eternal life, we can never forget what it costs us to follow Jesus is nothing in comparison to what it costs Jesus to save us. What it costs me to follow Jesus is nothing in comparison to what it costs Jesus to save me. I just finished a book called Mungonga Paul. It's a term that affectionately means my Dr. Paul. As a covenant medical missionary, Paul Carlson and his family lived in Belgian Congo in the 1960s. His story moved me. Uh, I was deeply emotional while reading it. Not only the story, but I had the soundtrack of The Last of the Mohicans playing on my speakers. I, I could not wait to turn page after page after page, and I found myself more emotionally invested in his story as I continued to read. He was so full of passion and so full of joy and a sense of mission, loved his family deeply, and the political climate began to change in a dangerous manner, and so for their safety, he sent his wife Lois and their two children across the border, uh, across the uh, Ubangi River into Central African Republic, and his son Wayne remembers that his dad stayed behind in Belgian Congo, thinking, these rebels will never hurt a doctor. Um, I don't want them to kill my patients. So he stayed behind with those that he was treating. Tragically, Paul Carlson was captured and tortured 
and eventually killed by those very rebels. His tombstone there in Central Africa reads John 15, 13, written in a local language called Lingala. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. With the help of two of our church family, Steve and Lynn Fondell, I got to speak on the phone this week with Wayne Carlson, Paul's son. He's a retired doctor living in Chicago. How it blessed me. It blessed me to listen to him share stories about his dad, watching him operate there in the field in the bush of Africa. And then around 9.30 p.m. on Tuesday night, my phone rang. I didn't recognize the number, and I picked up the phone, and it was Paul's 90-year-old widow, Lois. We had a lengthy conversation. She's in California. It's much earlier in the evening, so she was much more awake than I was. But 55 years after Paul's death, she was emotional talking to me about the legacy of her martyred husband, And she told me something I'll never forget. She said, Adam, more has been done in his death than he could have ever accomplished in his lifetime. And she shared, for that, I think that was the price he would be willing to pay. So we don't know and we can never predict what the cost of following Jesus will look like in your life especially in your future. What we do know is that Jesus is worthy. He is worthy of following. He loves you. He loves you so much. He gave his life for you. And we're not invited to follow him because he needs our help in his redeeming work in this world. We're invited to follow him because if we are with him, we are saved. That's why we're invited to follow. And more than that, if any of you here today are walking through a difficult season and you're looking at what's going on in your life thinking, where is Jesus in this? I want you to be strengthened today in the assurance that if Jesus invites you, follow me, then that means if you are with Jesus, there is a path. If Jesus invites you, follow me. He knows where you're going to go together. Rest in that assurance today. There is a path. And on that path waits sweetness and suffering. And on that path waits for you comfort and conviction. But that is the path that we're looking at between now and Easter, focusing on what it looks like to live a life with Jesus. So let's stay on that path. And let's follow.